Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Underneath every home are tunnels, from inch-wide pipes carrying water or sewage to buzzing train tracks. There are almost definitely things going on beneath the surface that you have no knowledge of. This is usually fine. The unremarkable crawling of bugs and passing of cargo is of no interest and, more importantly, no threat to you. But with the unknown you can never be sure. The following report is a shocking one, yet not the first of its kind. In fact, the Bureau has received many similar reports practically since the Institute's inception. Unsuspecting tourists or adrenaline junkies traveling into tunnels or cave systems looking for adventure. They get what they want most of the time, but all too often at a price too high to pay. A Pyrrhic victory, if a victory at all, that leaves the imprint of terror to fester in their minds long after they make it home. That is, if they do make it home at all. Perhaps one day, it will be time for me to share those stories with you. Today, though, one stands out from the rest. Entity 0018, known to agents only as The Hunger. Take it as a tragic tale between two friends, or a cautionary tale about the dangers of urban exploring. Whatever you do, make sure you take it as a warning. Jude and I stand beneath an underpass, the moon looming over us in the East London sky. She kneels and fumbles with the cover of the manhole, eventually heaving it off with a grunt. Without so much as a second thought, She lowers herself onto the top rung of the ladder, managing to become half-swallowed in darkness by the time that I remember the contents of my backpack. Wait up, you forgot your light. I reach into my bag and take two torch headbands out, offering the first to her. She stares at me blankly, and I roll my eyes, crouching before her as I affix the light source to her forehead. Come on, hurry up! I don't want my phone to run out of battery while we're down there. She tilts her head to the left impatiently, motioning to the earbud in her ear. You're going to listen to music the whole time that we're down there? What if we get attacked or something? And what would be attacking us exactly? I pause for a second. Feral hogs, I say, my deadpan expression contrasting her snicker as I stand up. The torch batteries should last a while, but in an emergency, I'm sure we can siphon off the rest of the power to keep on your tunes. I snark. She glares at me, playfully, 
and pushes below into the unknown, fully submerged in shadow. I hesitate then, just for a second or two. I'm not overly fond of the dark or small spaces. I had raised these concerns to her when she had proposed the idea, and she assured me that we would only be going for an hour or so to check things out. I don't remember what words I had used to agree, nor what compromise I had worked out in order to do so, but I do remember the way that her eyes had twinkled as she rattled off facts about the city's sewer system, her primary fascination for as long as I'd known her. The second passes, and I grind my boot onto the first rung of the ladder, as I too begin my descent. I skip past the last few bars, nearly falling on top of Jude. The tunnel is an oval shape, our shadows warped onto the overarching ceiling like puppets on a marionette's strings. We stand on a flat path, a foot or so above murky, almost brown water, ankle high and still. Tendrils of scum crawl up the walls, the only light the harsh beams coming from our headbands and a sliver of pale moonlight leaking in from the manhole above. Distantly, I hear the faint scuttling of rats and the dripping of a leaky pipe. I fight off a shiver, not altogether caused by the cool temperature. This is so cool, she exclaims, though she looks slightly uneasy. I make a noise of agreement as we walk further into the tunnel, peering into the dark water and attempting to make out our reflections. My face looks distorted in the shallow pool, features muddled and faded as I think back to what had led me here in the first place. I met Jude at a university event that was meant to be for students who hadn't quite found their friend groups yet. I remember the nervous clench of my jaw as I walked into the pub, surveying the tables full of loud, mostly drunk, teens. The only person sitting alone was who I later knew to be Jude, her face planted firmly downwards into her phone. I must have been staring at her for quite a while before she whipped her head up, and I had choked on my drink as she made direct eye contact with me and walked over. She had teased me relentlessly for our first meeting in the following months, but she had kept talking to me, and we grew closer quickly. And, well, here we are. Flashlight is heavy. The reflection next to mine shifts as Jude turns to face me. I look at her blankly, and she realizes that I hadn't been listening. She shoves my shoulder playfully. Her smile morphs into something more akin to a grimace as gravity plunges me into the filthy water below, the backs of my thighs becoming soaked as Jude begins a chain of apologies. I pause for a second, my ears straining before shushing her urgently. Shh. Do you hear that? What? She asks, and I shush her again. Shh. She does so this time, and it takes her a few seconds longer than I to come to realize that the footsteps that we had presumed to be our own hadn't stopped, still echoing loudly in the tunnels as we stood there. In fact, they had only gotten louder. They seemed more rhythmic now, like hands beating on a drum. In the corner of my eye, I see Jude react, 
tensing as she whispers urgently. Holy shit, what kind of animal sounds like that? It sounds way too heavy for an animal. Could it be a worker? Christ, I really hope it's not police. I dim my flashlight and gesture for Jude to do the same. What are we supposed to... She stops suddenly, and her head whips to the left. The footsteps increase to a sprint, slapping the concrete like a horse's hooves. All I see is a massive beige leaping out from a corner in the distance before my reflexes take over, and I break into a run. I crane my head back to see the thing behind us, sprinting on all fours like a greyhound, body lurching completely off the ground for seconds at a time. My eyes struggle to adjust to the thickening darkness as we run blindly through tunnel after tunnel. I turn back to face forwards and realize a second too late that Jude is no longer beside me. I have no choice but to continue onwards. I hear the creature galloping behind me, but I have no sense of the distance between us. Loud echoes bouncing from the curved walls of the labyrinth as adrenaline pumps through my veins. I reach a corner and see a creature made up of gangly, mangled limbs coming straight towards me. I dart right blindly, my entire body shaking in a frenzy. It takes my mind only a few seconds to realize the nature of this tunnel, slowly narrowing, reaching a mere slit at the end. But by then, I was already having to shuffle sideways. I turn my head to see the creature, some sort of deformed man standing hunched and naked. He lifts his head slowly, one eye completely covered by his matted hair. The visible eye is a rotted yellow and striped with ridges, wide black pupil distorted nearly into a figure eight. Paralyzed, I stare into his soulless pupil and its gaze slices back into me. The individual knobs of his spine shift and roll as he straightens, breathing in hungry snorts and wheezes as his arms hang completely limp from his shoulders. His hair and beard spill out in knots, globs of grime falling from his red raw lips that shine with dripping spit. I lower my gaze and am met with massive flat feet, veins jutting out angrily and clawing up his calves like vines. My breath catches in my throat as he takes another wide step forward. I squirm my way deeper into the cavity, rough brick scraping at the back of my head. He takes another two steps forward, and I can taste my own blood in my mouth, his shoulders starting to grind against the walls. He comes to a sudden stop, seemingly unable to conceive of a way to walk any further. We stay like this for seconds that span an eternity as I desperately try to catch my breath, my instincts screaming at me to run or hide. I do neither. Eventually, he growls, sniffs, and backs away, slowly fading into the darkness until he disappears from sight. The realization that I am completely and utterly lost falls upon me like a physical sickness as I heave and retch, my mind reeling as I try desperately to brighten my flashlight. I squeeze out of the tunnel and begin to wander aimlessly, 
listening out for the smallest noise as I try and locate Jude. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Signal connection restored. At some point, I hear a single muffled sob to my left. I come to an archway that has two pillars with a smaller circular opening in the middle. It looks eerily like an eye unblinking and never resting. An uneasy feeling washes over me as I follow the sob, peering down corner after corner until I feel a crunch. Jude's phone laying in a broken pile beneath my foot. I hear a sharp intake of breath and look upwards. Jude sits crammed into a small alcove partway up the wall. She has one hand over her mouth jagged nails cutting into her cheek to conceal the sound of her breathing. Her other hand is methodically rubbing the bottom edge of the alcove. Looking closer, I see blood beneath her fingers, rubbed raw from the movements. I call to her cautiously, and she looks at me with glassy eyes and drops into my arms. We stay there for a while, Jude unmoving in my embrace. My back presses uncomfortably against the rough brick as I go through a thousand questions in my head, not daring to voice my thoughts verbally. Jude breaks the tense silence after a while, asking if we're lost, and I answer in affirmative. I suggest that we retrace our path, and she shakes her head. Why don't we just try to find a loose manhole and force our way up? Maybe we can avoid that... She pauses refusing to meet my eye. Um, another encounter. I notice the stumble in her speech, but don't question it. 
my mind more focused on the chilling thought that I hadn't seen any exits. Not while running through any of the countless winding paths. Not while squeezing through nooks and crannies searching for her. I tell her this, and she swallows, legs shaking as she stands. She takes a single deep breath, hitched with small tremors, and I mirror her squared shoulders as we walk through the iris together. The air feels thicker down here, biting cold, tearing mercilessly at my skin. Jude looks terrified, pronounced eye bags stretching down her face to meet her bitten raw lips. We've been walking for hours and have found nothing of use. She stops so suddenly that it must have given her whiplash. Spine snapped straight. Are we walking downhill? She says it so forcefully, as if the words leapt from her chest, that I barely understand what she's saying. Hmm? When we started walking, it was upwards, to the surface. We're walking on flat ground now. We've been walking in a straight line. There's no way we're going deeper. I say, trying to convince both of us, and failing to convince either. Her hands fall tight, scrunching her eyes closed before she speaks. We're trapped beneath the earth in a brick coffin that isn't going to let us out. Don't you get that? We're never going to find an opening. What does that even mean? You're not making any sense. My tone comes out more heated than intended and she snarls. She sounds hysterical, almost crazed. None of this makes any sense. What was that demon back there then, huh? What's your reasonable explanation for this nightmare? We're sacrificial lambs, Dee, hoisted over a fucking spitfire. I falter for a second, suddenly noticing how clammy my hands are. I don't answer. A period of tense silence follows that neither of us are keen to break. The tunnels are terrifying by their own merit, but the daunting similarity of each one breeds insanity. I clear my throat before I speak. (laughs) Is it just me, or is it getting hotter? Feels like it. Are you feeling okay? You look pale. Not really. I try to chuckle, the noise coming out closer to a sob. Fair enough, dumb question, she answers, plunging us back into silence. We've come across several rooms as we walk, from claustrophobic holes to rooms so large they have an echo that leaves us both holding our breath, deathly silent, in order to catch the slightest of footsteps. So far, nothing though the fact does little to put us at ease. We find ourselves in one such room, when Jude turns to me sheepishly. Hey, I'll be right back. I gotta pee. I nod as she retreats into the corridor, and I hear the clanking of Jude's belt as I walk further into the room. I sink down the wall until I'm sitting, grateful for the respite to my aching legs. I cover my nose with my sleeve, The stiflingly hot air has the unfortunate effect of releasing the putrid scent of the wastewater, the acrid smell singeing my eyes. You can taste it almost, bitter and heavy on the tongue. 
I stay like this for some minutes before noticing the lack of noise coming from the hallway. Jude? I whisper as I creep out of the room. Her name is swallowed by deathly silence almost as soon as it leaves my lips out into the empty hallway. I hear it then. Like nails on a chalkboard. A second later, I hear it again. My heart seizes as I follow the sound. I take a left, then a right. My eyeline fixes straight onto Jude's face as soon as I turn the corner and look down into one of the corridors. She looks absolutely horrified, eyes wide as they stare at something just out of sight. I walk forward to see the back of a figure crouched before her, a woman with hair cascading down her back, her long, jagged nails raking the wall. My eyes travel from her nails to her distended, spindly arms, joints swollen to the size of tennis balls. I gasp, and two sets of eyes meet mine as the woman turns to face me, grunting like an animal. Jude attempts to run over to me, but her foot is grabbed by the woman, and she tumbles forward, hitting the ground with a sickening thump. She turns herself around to face the woman and kicks at her desperately, nailing her square in the forehead. The woman hisses and retreats, and Jude scrambles to her feet, grabbing my hand as we start to run. We move blindly and desperately, turning corners with reckless abandon. We pull each other up when we trip, and drag each other when we begin to falter, spurred on by the footsteps following behind us. The echoing steps only stop as we run up a flight of stairs, the tunnel at the top giving me pause. The tunnel forks off into two pathways at the end, the one on the right blocked by rubble, thick chunks of concrete and hazard tape smashed together to resemble a boulder. The sight of the tape makes my stomach churn with the reminder of the outside world, The other is more like a vent than anything, knee-high and only wide enough for one person at a time. I take a step back as Jude does the opposite, crouching down and peering inside. Come look at this, she says, her voice growing muffled as she covers her nose with her shirt. I lower myself cautiously onto my knees beside her. From my new position, I see a soft glow emitting from the other end of the vent. This could be all way out. I think we're still too low for this to lead outside. Have you been keeping track of every tunnel we've been through? I certainly haven't. Dee, we have no idea where we are right now, she says, turning to face me. I pause, realizing that she just might have a point. Huh. She makes a triumphant noise and motions to me, then the whole... I shake my head. No! What if I get stuck? I'll freak out! The mere thought of it makes me panic, and Jude knows it. Her eyes soften, and she takes one last breath, a deep, almost rattling thing, and pushes herself forward once more into the unknown. The void slowly eclipses her as she pushes forward inch by inch. I look down at my hands dirt persisting through the darkness. A pounding ache scratches at my temples. My lips are bitten raw 
and my ears are ringing. The silence in the air thickens as seconds pass. You okay down there? I call out quietly, to no response. Iron floods my mouth as I break the skin of my lip. I lower myself to the floor and look through the tunnel. Nothing. The soft light still resonates from the far distance, promising me an escape from my solitude. I swear beneath my breath, hands balled so tight that my fingernails etch bloody half-moons onto my palm as I begin to squeeze forward, breath quickening. I hyper-focus on the light, and it takes me about 30 seconds until the tunnel widens into a room, my neck straining upwards. It's huge, bigger than any room we've been in before. My eyes struggle to focus on a specific point of the gray mottled walls due to the sheer sameness. Then I see the bodies. Piles of human and animal carcasses litter the floor. Parts of bodies jut out awkwardly, some more stumps than limbs, organs exposed and bloody in various stages of decay. The sight is near indescribable and I struggle to will my eyes to tear away from the horror to the center of the room, where a crude attempt at a fire is reduced to embers before a hunched silhouette. Jude? I see the reflection of the fire in her eyes, making her tears shine as they fall. Her voice trembles as she speaks. We're going to die here. I say nothing, stepping over the fire to close the distance between us. I place both of my hands on her shoulders, and she wraps hers around my waist. I close my eyes and try to come to terms with a death trapped underground. A shrill shriek rips Jude and I apart to see a group of three. I recognize two of the creatures from earlier but all have the same hungry glint in their eyes. Jude grabs my hand, and we walk backwards carefully, keeping our sights firmly fixed on the group. I tentatively squeeze her hand as comfort, a poor attempt to quell the shaking. Her back hits the wall first, the noise echoing around the room. Time freezes for a second before the woman screeches, spurring the group into action. Jude drops my hand as I'm shoved away by a girl with shorter hair and wild, crossed eyes. Her teeth clack together loudly as she lurches maniacally to bite whatever exposed skin she can reach. I beat her head against the wall, grinding it like I want her to sink into the brick. She grabs at me, one claw slicing across my cheek, but I don't stop, muscles locking into the movements until Scarlet blooms behind her. I let go in horror, looking down at my blood-stained hands. I turn around to see Jude sitting on top of the old woman, her hair fanning out into a mane as she lies eerily still on the ground. The woman's hairline is soaked in blood, and I swallow as my gaze travels upwards. I see Jude's hands holding onto her metal flashlight above the woman's dented head. I see her tormented expression as she takes heavy, deliberate breaths. Then, 
all I see is a blur of colors as I am pounced upon, the side of my forehead hitting the concrete floor with a terrible crack. Particles swim in my vision, and I hear a scream as I am crushed by a figure twice my size. The monster that started all of this, on top of me. Distantly, I see Jude trying desperately to pull him off of me as I fall into a trance. The calm apathy of a doomed rabbit in a fox's mouth. Jude screams again, and he looks up at her. My mind fixates on the way his Adam's apple pokes out, grotesquely pronounced in his gaunt neck. I push myself up and bite. He howls and claws at my face, but I don't relent, tearing his neck open as hot blood flows into my mouth and seeps down my throat. The last thing I feel is a mass of flesh between my teeth as the ringing in my ears becomes deafening and everything goes black. I woke up three days later in the hospital, disoriented and weak. The doctor said that a team of workers had found us while doing routine maintenance. He also said that they found us alone. Both of us are receiving treatment for exhaustion, and I have stitches from the gashes on my face. I'm supposed to be regaining my strength through eating and sleeping as much as possible, but I can't. The memory of that man's flesh in my mouth haunts my days and nights, making the thought of eating food repulsive. It would be easier to categorize my feelings as disgust, but it would be equally untrue. No, the way my mind is tormented every night, the way I can still taste his blood so clearly, is something much closer to hunger. The victim, known only as D in the prior reports, gave her account voluntarily to St. Clement's Psychiatric Hospital in return for indefinite admittance. It was then obtained by Redwood agents and filed as a tranquil-level threat to be further investigated by the Bureau at a medium-to-high priority. The Bureau was unable to locate any live specimens in the London Tunnel System, but sufficient proof of life and recent activity were enough to confirm Dee's story was true. DNA was found inside claw marks etched into the walls of several tunnels throughout where the report supposedly took place, and testing showed mutated genetic matter unlike anything already in the Redwood database. Following these findings, the research department concluded that this gene traveled through the bloodstream and was the cause of the cannibalistic urges for both the attackers and later one of the victims. Jude has since completed her degree and plans to achieve a master's in biochemistry in order to better understand and support her companion. Doctors have reduced her psychiatric checkups to bi-monthly. Nevertheless, staff report that she visits St. Clement's daily with records showing that she often stays far past visiting hours. She has declined to comment about the state of D to the Bureau. No progress has been no made has towards, been a cure. towards a cure. Sorry. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.